Somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, uh, man, that gun bill, right? The yeah. senators. Yeah. Senators. Uh, we have a list of senators, 15 of them, 15 Republican senators, and uh, they're pretty much the same names we read before, but... Where we were reading them before it was uh, 14 names. I guess we left Mitch McConnell off the list because he, he was the whip in the Senate. And these of. are the 15 senators that voted to approve this bill or to advance this bill. You want me to read them? Yeah, sure. Okay. John Cornyn of Texas. Uh, as you just said, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. Uh, Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Susan Collins of Maine. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. Uh, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Um Roy Blunt of Missouri, Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, um, I'm forgetting his first name, Burr of North Carolina, uh, Mitt Romney of Utah, Rob Portman of Ohio, Sherry Capito of West Virginia, Joni Ernst of, of Iowa, Lisa Markowski of Alaska, and um, Todd Young. Todd Young. Tom Thank Young. you. Well, no, <laughs> um, but they don't have their first names. They don't have their first names. <laughs> and, and the name of Burr from, no, I should know this. That's pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, it's not coming to me. I was saying Aaron Burr. No, that can't be right. <laughs> no, 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 that's, <laughs> that's not right. That's history. Yeah, so, uh, but in any event, Richard Burr. How did I forget Richard that? Burr, okay. You know, you know when you have a little bit of a mind blank or something just doesn't go back and connect together. So that, that's what that was. Richard Young Burr. from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I forgot the other day. Yeah. Um, but Mitch McConnell, I mean, these people should be ashamed of themselves. But many of them, I think Lisa Murkowski knows she's going to lose. Yeah. I'm hoping that she's going to lose. I I really don't know how that's going to play out in Alaska. But, you know, Portman, I think, is leaving, right? Yeah. I think that's where that's the seat that Tim Ryan, is uh, the Democrat, is going yeah. after. Uh, with uh, against J.D. Vance. Yeah. I think that's the seat, right? 
Yeah. yeah, because J.D. Vance ran against no real Republican. So I'm thinking Portman's leaving. I'm pretty much I've been hearing that. Um, Mitch McConnell, he'll probably be in, he's in this last term. Uh, I think Lindsey Graham knows his he's done. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to try to get as much money as they can through all these lobbying groups and foundations and donations and NGOs and U.S. aid to all these different places where the aid finds its way back to our shores and into the senators' pockets who made the aid possible in the first place. You better think, you know, when Samantha Power goes to U.S. aid, right, and she's got all this money to spend with foreign foreign adversaries and foreign friends alike, um... She says, well, you know, be sure that you take care of these senators who, you know, made this funding possible. Mm -hmm. Without their, you know, contribution, we wouldn't be have this money to give to you. Yeah. So they take a whole truckload of money and they they line their pockets with it. Some of it might find the root cause of why it is the aid was going there. You know, if it's if it's cornmeal in Africa, mm. uh, they might get a couple of bags of cornmeal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to get a truck of cornmeal. Yeah. But they're supposed to get a thousand trucks of right. cornmeal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's insane. But the rest of it uh, gets divvied up to the senators. It yeah. finds its way back to the senators. These senators sold out their constituents. There's no two ways about it. You know, when we were talking yesterday about all these different Congress people, you know, uh, Jackson Lee, for example, yeah. represents Houston. Yeah. What the heck is she doing twice in Ukraine? Yeah. Why is she there twice in Ukraine? Yeah. Because she's a policymaker? No. She represents, you know, the, these politicians in Washington have lost touch with reality. They they and they're not the smartest tools in the shed. They're in fact, they couldn't run standing. a business if they, if you paid them. Well, they're grandstanding. They're doing a little bit of what you know some of the Hollywood actors like a Sean Penn is doing. Like they're running over and getting involved. Yeah, and, like Sean Penn's going to make a difference right, well, with well, all well, his wisdom well, in politics. Uh, well, yeah, again, he's an intelligent man and a good actor, but he's not. That's not his place. And AOC running over and crying and doing other stuff in the middle of things too doesn't make any sense either. Well, I like, mean, and Matt, that's what must- you're starting to see. You're starting to see activist um, politicians, activists in a way that's not part and parcel of their role as a legislator. Matthew McConaughey comes to Washington, grandstanding. You know, the only reason why he was allowed on the floor is because Nancy Pelosi thought it was good for business. Well, of course you know, it was good I mean, for business. And, and, and Joe Biden thought it was good for business, right? That's why he was in the White House press conference, right? I mean, the only reason why he was in Washington was because he was playing the tool of the left, and he sat in the office with Lindsey Graham, and it was all supposed to be this kumbaya bipartisan bullcrap. The fact is, folks, there's one thing that rubs me raw about this thing, and it is the red flag laws. That is the worst thing, and everybody keeps talking about it. If they would have taken red flag laws off of this bill, mm-hmm. I, w- I still don't like the fact that they're exploiting Uvalde, which I think is becoming more likely to be a false flag. Yeah. The way they behaved. I mean, when when a guy's when a, when a woman calls her husband who's a cop and says she's shot and 
and he shows up on the scene with a gun and wants to go in guns a blazing and take the guy out. Mm-hmm. It should have been, yeah, and I'll go with you. You know, I'll get your back. I've got your six. And we're going to go in and we're going to take out this little grease ball. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, make him regret that he ever did it. And you go in there and you do it. You go in with teams and you get each other's back. You basically can spray a hallway. Uh, and, uh, you know, once you, once you get the guy in his sights and uh, you can advance. And, uh, you know, and they didn't do that. There's a there's a there's tactical ways to go in to, you know, when when our military goes into Fallujah and they're going door to door. Mm -hmm. That is about as dangerous as you can get. And there are tactics the way they go into a building. Yeah. You know, and the way they spray for cover, you know, they just start spraying their bullets, uh, their, their their guns. They start spraying so that they can get a guy to go across the hallway without getting shot. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, ob- it's, it's, it's it, there is a method to it. There is a systematic approach to it. Yeah. And they could have gone in there. And I, I would love to see for once, because we saw what happened in Parkland and we saw what happened in Uvalde. And, you know, I don't really know, know the story in Buffalo too much, but I do know this. We have red flag laws today because the House at 9 a.m. today uh, is voting on on this thing, and they're going to pass it. And, and it doesn't Biden matter what says Steve, if it so, passes, he'll sign it. It doesn't re- matter what Whip Scalise does because he doesn't have enough votes. Right. You know, he doesn't have enough votes, but we like Whip Scalise a lot. But um, he just doesn't have enough votes. He's four votes shy, and it's going to be... You know, a razor thin margin because I don't think in the, in the house where they have to actually compete for uh, their existence every two years, you might get Liz Cheney and Adam mm-hmm. Kinzinger because they don't care about their constituents. But for the most part, you're going to get every single, you know, I leave it to Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to make it bipartisan. Yeah. Oh, and we had bipartisan support in the house too with two votes. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, right? Yeah. You know, they're going to take their last little pay cut, paycheck. Yeah. They're going to take their last little kickback and do a solid for Nancy Pelosi. Who? What's the matter? They're already going to lose, right? Well, well with, the red, with the red flag thing, the thing that, that conservatives are upset about is it, it includes the incentive program to encourage states to embrace the red flag laws, which prevent individuals who are deemed dangerous from obtaining guns. In the final language, grants will go toward not just implementing red flag laws, but also to courts that handle drug cases or cases involving veterans. The problem with some of this is there are people that will get caught in the net that are not national, <laughs> that are not criminals, that are not a danger to themselves, <laughs> and that will interfere with a person's right to defend themselves. There's people caught in the net today called J6 pro- protesters well, that's what I'm rotting saying. in jail well, right now. exactly. You think they wouldn't take away their guns? Yeah, well, exactly. So that is... The, they didn't even bring a gun to the event. Yeah. So, you know, so it's really interesting that you've got this going on, and on the same day, what happened? <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Supreme Court... That they're overturning a hundred-year-old New York law about um, carrying concealed weapons, which they struck down six to three. Um, and Clarence Thomas, uh, you know, you know, read the, 
you know, read the uh, ruling that this uh, that this ancient uh, law violated the 14th Amendment by preventing law abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms in public. New York was one of six states that was not following the Constitution. Oh, we're, we're going to cover that in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the provisions to the gun and safety bill, I got this captured off of Fox and Friends. It says, expand background checks to include juvenile records over 10-day period. Right. I actually don't really care about that one as much. And, um, and, I think uh, and close- maybe I'm wrong there. And, you know, I'm not a gun expert. I don't have a gun. Yeah. You don't have a gun. You don't like guns. I don't like guns, but I defend people's rights to have them right. to protect themselves. That's the that's my nuance. I there. actually want to get a gun, but uh, you know that's another story. <laughs> that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get a Glock seventeen or nineteen, but uh, I'm not allowed for some reason. Um, but it's not a it's not a, a law. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the thing is, is that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that I I strongly believe in that I, I understand the value of being armed. And so does, apparently, so does Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Um, but um, Clarence Thomas is such a rock star. I love that guy. I love Clarence and, Thomas, um, too. Wow, what a great man. And uh, so <clears throat> this was bars domestic abusers from purchasing firearms Okay, domestic abusers. Uh, that, that, uh, let me explain that. That's what's called the, the boyfriend, boyfriend loop. So in other words, it used to be you couldn't, um, I think the restriction was just applied to people that were married. Now, you you, you know, this this okay. helps the situation of people that are not married but in a domestic situation. I guess I don't ha- necessarily have a problem with that. No, you know, I don't either. I, I, just my knee-jerk face, you know, now someone's going to call in or, or, or and argue with me and I'm not going to have... Too much of an argument. It's because the I don't red know flag that, thing that you're pro- that you probably have problems with. I have a serious problem with the red flag laws to confiscate guns from people deemed dangerous. You know, I always say this one, uh, Leonor, on the uh, show when you're not here. When I'm not your, here, behind <laughs> your back. Um, I always tell the Jesse Smollett story. You know, like Jesse Smollett is crazy as punch you know mm-hmm. i mean he's just crazy or as punch. dave Chappelle calls him that french actor jesse smollett you say you say smollett yeah no but but um you know there are wackadoodles liberals that will do anything to ruin your life i mean just look at that guy that's stalking marjorie taylor green right yeah. now in the hallway but and if Tell the me, situation wouldn't... was reversed if somebody was defacing uh you know his uh representation materials it would be all over the news no, but you know the thing is is jesse smollett made this thing up about yeah. the noose and the bleach and the uh, maga country maga hats no one cared about i never even heard of juicy smollett until that yeah. i never even heard of him yeah i don't care two craps about him well that's why he did the whole thing to become more and, famous. and not only that he's related to kamala harris and kamala harris and Tor- Corey t-bone booker were were um speaking of which we're, have you we're putting together an anti-lynching bill as if we needed to be told not to hang black people from a tree and set them on fire speak, 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 and somehow that that wasn't a crime before Speaking of which, I'll say this real fast. There is a new commercial that's against big agriculture, and Cory Booker and, uh, and, and another legislator whose name is escaping me are now sitting there like you see them like wrestling each other and knocking each other down, saying, "Let's not, you know, let's not battle each other. Let's battle big agriculture." I mean, it almost. What's wrong with big agriculture? Well, uh, yeah. I, 
they, they, they've got a problem with it. But, but uh, the point do. is, but the point is, I laugh Aren't there because problems because, in the world. No, like no, the reason why I'm bringing this up: psychological disorders no, for people re- that have a gun. And no, here shoot up schools? this is the reason. The problem I have with this, with all this talk about violence, with the left having such a knee-jerk reaction about it, now they're making jokes about violence. I mean, isn't that hypocritical? They're oh. using that to make a cause. That's kind of a little weird. Yeah, well, <laughs> they do, they're doing. I mean, I could give you a thousand zillion examples of hypocr- hypocrisy on the left. I mean, remember when? Um, uh, my gosh, who was the uh, uh, vice president candidate with McCain? Uh, what's her name? Sarah Alaska. Palin. Sarah Palin. Yeah. Okay. So Sarah Palin. Remember when she had an ad with uh, hashtags? Yeah. And you know she was like hashtagging like we're going to go after you know, something benign, right? Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's going to lead to a shooting. And then this woman got shot, um, but she survived. Oh, you're talking about Gabby Gifford. Yeah, Gabby Gifford, right. Yeah, she survived. And, and, and uh, God, but you still, have good, you have a great memory. Yeah, um, but that so, was, yeah, So I'm just saying, later. you know, and, and then now they, they have all kinds of hashtag ads. They forgot about that. You know, it was like trendy and in vogue then. And they were trying to chip away at gun legislation then yeah um so fox and friends had a little bit of a good um you know analysis not not they don't do analysis <laughs> and, and by the way brian kilmeade doesn't have a problem with red flag law so i have a problem with brian kilmeade on this i yeah. like brian kilmeade okay but i don't think he's great i think he i don't think he's great now he doesn't give great analysis when it comes to... He's a former stand-up form- comedian. <laughs> no, no, he was also a UFC announcer back when UFC yeah, 1 yeah. and 2 and yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back with Jim Brown yeah. uh, back in the days. I used to watch Hoist Gracie, trust me. Um, but, uh, no, you know, the thing is, is that he's not very strong when it comes to... He's a little bit more like Lindsey Gramish yeah. when it comes to foreign policy. And... Uh, and his analysis is uh, often not not very good. Uh, and here, he doesn't really have a problem. He's comparing this with uh, Florida's gun laws that were put uh, put together by Tim Scott. Tim Scott, you know, is one step away from being a Democrat. And Tim Scott's got a bunch of ads out now, so he must be running for some sort of election. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, whether Tim Scott's up for election or not... Um, but uh, but I just saw an ad with Tim Scott in it, uh, but it was for some foundation. Um, in any case, Tim Scott put together strong gun laws in uh, Florida. Yeah, it was Tim Scott that did that. And um, but he didn't vote on this vote, did he? He's yeah. a senator. He he's not on that. Right, I think he objected to red flag laws. Yes, he wasn't on the list. I think that anybody really not on board with this vote is against red flag laws. I know that Tucker Carlson, big time. Just to answer your question, Tim Scott's term ends on January 3rd, 2023. So yes, he is indeed running. Oh, so that's why that's why. That's why you're seeing the ads. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Okay, well, he's probably already won his primary, and so therefore he's better than the Democrat that he would be going against. When when is the the primary already happening? No, the primary in South Carolina already happened. No, Florida. He's Tim, Scott. T- Tim Scott oh, is at South Carolina. Okay, Rick Scott. Rick Scott is Florida. I, I keep getting. I've made this mistake on multiple occasions. And, and, and Rick and Rick. And Tim Rick. Scott is from South Carolina, and 
I wasn't talking about Tim Scott. Well, Tim I Scott was talking is about running. Rick Scott. Rick Scott. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> and I said Florida. I didn't hear the Florida part. I heard Tim Scott. No, no, no. Of course, I know Tim Scott, but for some reason, uh, I think of Tim Scott when I'm. I say the word Tim Scott because that's the one that rolls off my tongue because I know him and mm-hmm. I like him. Well, t- Rick Scott's term doesn't end until 2025. Okay, so, so yeah, you're, no, you're getting your Scots mixed up. It did not seem like which a is kind of funny that you get people with the surname Scott mixed up. Yeah. All right, let's take a listen to, um, you know, so this was the news reported on Fox and Friends related to the gun law. But the reason why I'm going to play this is because they also, Griff Jenkins goes into um, reading uh, uh, Clarence Thomas's, uh, what do they call that, Uh, ruling uh, assent? Yeah. You know, not the descent. Not the the descent. All right. So he he goes and reads this ruling and why, why he made his decision. With regard to the, well, it was really about New York. It's about all of. I believe it's called the opinion. Yeah, that's the word. It's the opinion. Yeah, right. His opinion. Thank you. I'm off my game a little bit today. (laughs) Um, You make me nervous. I make you nervous. (laughs) Um, No, but you know, uh, um, the the case really was brought by the, the New York laws. Yeah, but they apply to every state. Yeah, and they're instant, meaning that. As soon as the law, as soon as the ruling is passed, it's instant. And the, you uh, can put your gun back in your holster and you can carry. Let me know. let me repeat what the other states are before you read it. It's California, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. Do you know those are the li- most liberal states in the country? <laughs> yep. Those are the most liberal well, states. That's you just, why they were holding on me, to the hundred-year-old law. You know wow. how people pick laws. You know, you know how you can. Those you know are how the you most can, liberal. You know how you can make data say anything you wanted to say. Well, that's the same thing with some of the laws. You can find a law that will say anything you wanted to say. But go ahead, play the clip. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Well, and yeah. So that's interesting. That. Uh, the U.S. Senate passed a bipartisan gun safety bill, fast-tracking the measure to the House, which is expected to take it up just about 9 o'clock this morning. And on the very same day, the Supreme Court overturning a century-old law limiting gun rights here in the state of New York, setting the stage for more turmoil over firearms. It's unbelievable what took place yesterday. Griff Jenkins makes it all make sense and tells us what's changed today in Washington, D.C. I will try my best, Brian Ainsley and Steve. Good morning. And you're right, Ainsley. The timing appears to be a coincidence, but how remarkable that both the high court and the Senate weighing in on gun rights in very different ways. Let's start under the Capitol Dome. Now, Senate Democrats needed only 10 Republicans, and they got 15 on an issue the GOP has long resisted on guns. Majority Leader Schumer praised the bipartisan vote, but the GOP support was really driven by Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. And negotiations were led by Senator John Cornyn. I knew that this effort was about the art of the possible, looking at areas where we could agree and setting aside those areas where we could not. 
But not everyone did agree. Senator Ted Cruz blasted it in a statement saying the approach of the Democrats is to try to take away firearms from law-abiding citizens, to try to go after the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. Those red flag laws provide an opportunity to disarm law-abiding citizens in many states with a very low standard of proof with little to no due process protections. Now, key provisions of that bill do include the red flag laws, which would take away guns from people deemed dangerous. It also expands background checks to include juvenile records, and it closes that so-called boyfriend loophole, barring domestic abusers from purchasing firearms. The bill now heads to the House, where Speaker Pelosi says she'll get to a floor vote, quote, first thing this morning, but it will be met with fierce Republican opposition. Minority Whip Scalise already rallying members to vote no. Now, this, as Fox News' latest polling shows, Americans favor at least five proposals to reduce gun violence, as you see on this screen, by 80 percent or more. Meanwhile, just across the street, the Supreme Court striking down a New York law that heavily restricts concealed carry permits for gun owners. In a 6-3 decision, Justice Clarence Thomas writes this, saying it prevents law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. He continued, we know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. Down Pennsylvania Avenue, President Biden had this reaction. There are, the gun laws in 40 of these states are still in place based on the decision. Not good enough, but it's, uh, I think it's a bad decision. I think it's, I think it's not reasoned accurately, but I'm disappointed. Now, I think it's important to point out that this decision only impacts a handful of states, but it may also open the door for more future challenges to other gun laws. Meanwhile, we are still watching the high court very closely this morning, where we expect more decisions to come down, particularly that Dobbs case involving abortion with protesters on both sides of the issue gathering there again today. Brian Ainsley and Steve. Unbelievable, Griff. Uh, thanks so much. So uh, you could not have a more, uh, I guess it would be a good time to retain a full-time attorney uh, to break down what, what went down yesterday. But on a 6-3, uh, on a, uh, should I should I say, 65-33 vote, Republicans and Democrats passed the most significant uh, gun legislation since 1993. Uh, I think also uh, there's a lot in here that Republicans were talking about should be recognizes the right to carry guns in public. And essentially what it board, you've got to meet us in the middle. So this is a bill that meets them in the middle. Instead, now, if you're under 21, they're saying you should have an extensive background check. Right. Uh, so we'll see where it goes exactly. Meanwhile, the other thing is uh, about what the Steve, Supreme Court... Steve, can I just... Uh, one more thing just on okay. this. Um, we could go uh, on for an hour. Uh, I know, I understand. That. But I just say for people, just take a look at it. I know I haven't read all this, 80 pages. This is where but if you compare this Brian to the Kilmeade Florida law that wrong. passed, run by a Republican governor named Rick Scott, they banned bump stocks, three days uh, waiting for, for gun purchases. They raised the age to buy a gun for 18 to 21. Involuntary uh, admission to a psychiatric evaluation, you are not allowed to have a gun. Create a program to train school staff. I mean, there's this. you look at what passed in Florida by a Republican legislature and a Republican after governor after, mm -hmm. after the Parkland shooting. And this so it's far, after I haven't shooting. seen yeah. a lot of complaints yeah. and Ron DeSantis hasn't looked to reverse anything. Mm -hmm. So just, I just think that people have to calm down and just read it rather than just run to their corners and say if it's, uh, if it's uh, bad or good.
All right. Uh, so that is the bipartisan gun bill that passed the Senate. And now at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, it's going to go to the House uh, Rules Committee and then they're going to it's going to go through the House pretty quick. Uh, meanwhile, we'll talk a little bit about new Dodge City. Uh, the, the New York Post writes extensively about how the Supreme Court at a 6-3 uh, verdict recognizes the right to carry guns in public. And essentially what it says, and the Wall Street Journal had this great line, uh, they say the Second Amendment doesn't disappear when you walk out your front door, which is a perfect way to put it. What it does is it strikes down New York's regulations on carrying a gun in public. Griff mentioned there are a number of states. There are six states in the United States that offer residents no clear path to getting a gun to defend themselves. Those states are New York and New Jersey, where we all live, uh, Maryland, Massachusetts, California, and Hawaii. And so essentially what this says, Justice Thomas wrote, the Second Amendment and the 14th Amendment protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the house. So now what they've said is the laws in those six states are not constitutional, so each of those six states is gonna have to come up with a way to get, you know, to satisfy the Supreme Court so that people can apply. If they feel threatened, they gotta be able to go to their chief of police or whatever and say, I need a concealed carry permit, and they will have a method to get that into well, the hands it of that. Used to be, sure. It used to be in, in New York, or it always has been. I don't know how this is going to mm -hmm. change. If you were threatened by someone, you had to show a reason in right. order to prove that you needed to carry a gun It in was New almost York. impossible. It was almost impossible, and everyone talks about that here, that the chances of you trying to get a gun and carry a gun in New York, I mean, you must have probably so many threatening emails and people who have showed up at your house threatening. I mean, it has to be so extensive for them to say, yes, you can carry a gun, right? Chris, Chris yeah. is nodding his head. Everyone knows that He's in the state of New York. Guy. So how is this going to change? We're not sure, but the, the crime in our city has gone through the roof. So a lot of people might be excited about this because they might say, I want to protect myself. Other people on the other side, like our governor, might say, no, this is egregious. This is horrible, especially after school shootings and that shooting up in, in Buffalo in our, in our state. Mm -hmm. and Because this is just going to put more guns out on the street. So you have both sides arguing this. Our governor tweeted this out. It is... Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. I yeah. like that statement that says uh, uh, the Wall Street Journal put this out. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> um, the Second Amendment doesn't disappear when you walk out your house. Right, exactly. I thought that was brilliant. I think that's beautiful, yeah. And and the other part is Tim Scott or <laughs> Rick Scott yeah. from Florida put together those laws after Parkland. Yeah. It, it almost tells me, like, it almost rewards the Democrats every single time there's a shooting. They try to do this. They try to chip away and take away your rights to the point, to the level, to where if they had their way, they would go unconstitutional on you. Yeah. And that, that's proof with those six states, the most liberal states in the country. Now, if you'd like to call in today and weigh in on that, um, you're welcome to call in. It's 215 867-8255. That's 215-867-8255 if you'd like to call in to be heard. We also call that 215-TOP-TALK, but um, we might take a call or two uh, today if the system's working. And um, and the uh, and the thing is, um, they would go completely, you know, overboard, 
But the same way they're going to be doing it, though, the red flag law, and that's the reason why I have right. such a problem with the red flag law, yeah. is it's it's that gray area mm-hmm. and that, that the liberals are going to exploit. And you're going to have these crazy neighbors and crazy people in your life that are going to basically, you know, there could be a jealous mm-hmm. girlfriend or boyfriend um or or this gen or that gen, uh, you know, whatever yeah. <laughs> they want to call them. Um, they're going to be some crazy people. They're going to basically say, you know, I'm going to fix you. I want to get back at you. I'm going to say that you you hit me. You hurt me. Right. You uh, were abusive verbally or mentally. And uh, therefore, you're not going to be able to get a gun. And where's, where is the slippery slope going to be? Because we all know what a liberal judge is capable of, especially in Washington, D.C. Just look at Michael Sussman mm-hmm. and the Durham investigation. Mm-hmm. He just walked. He skated. You know, he was as guilty. They had him dead to rights. But they had people on the ju- jury that were donating mm-hmm. to the Hillary Clinton campaign. I don't know why they wouldn't have been recused. But in D.C., it's just so liberal that you can actually elect a, a woman as dumb as Muriel Mar- Browser. Bowwowser. Yeah. So guess what we're going to have to do this weekend? We're going to have to wear a mask. Yes. Well, this is interesting. We're going to go see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And we're going to have to wear a mask for the entire performance. Now, the, I guess the good news is they've lifted the proof of vaccination or proof of or evidence that you've already had COVID requirement. That's gone. But you have to wear a mask for the entire theatrical performance unless you are actively eating or drinking. And you're not really going to be actively eating or drinking while you're in the show. I do, I do, I, I do find that to be interesting. And To Kill a Mockingbird, I'll just make a quick comment about it, is... It, you know, the book came out in 1960, I believe, in the film 62, something like, no, the film was six, was, I think they were both the same year, but it, at any event, in more recent years, To Kill a Mockingbird has been banned, the book. And, and the re, and the reason why, um, it's been banned is because they feel by a lot of schools, um, because that it shows an image of racism. And that they don't want, you know, this to, to you know, to be conveyed. It was 19, 1960. And actually, I think, and the film came out the same year. So at any event, um, what's interesting about this is I'm curious about this production, which has been written by Aaron Sorkin. And when it was on Broadway, Jeff Daniels was playing Atticus Finch, the part played by um, Gregory Peck in the film. And, and now we're going to see uh, Richard Thomas. Of, I mean, he became famous playing John Boy Walton, but he's done many stage, much stage work and, and many television programs since then as he's become a middle-aged and now older actor. So I think he'll be dynamite in the role. But also the little girl. So I'm curious what Aaron Sorkin's interpretation is, given how liberal society has become. Is he going to be close to the text? Is this going to be the original story? Um, but or is this going to be um, tinged with some you know woke update? Is it going to be tied to George Floyd or something? And then the other interesting piece is that Mary Badham, the little girl who played Scout, the the uh, in the the daughter of uh, Atticus in the film, that actress is going to be in the play. 
She has a part in the play, and she didn't really work as an actress as an adult. She did this film and a couple of other things. So I think it's going to be, you know, really interesting experience to see her do this play as well. So I'm curious on many many accounts, but I'm particularly interested because I thought I thought this was a wonderful book. Having read it as a child, I never saw it as racist. In fact, I saw it as the antithesis of racism. And the fact that so many schools have banned a book shows has shows how they don't understand what it's actually about yeah right they were banning it right the same left is banning it the character of atticus defends the black man against uh the accusations of raping a white woman but the problem that the left had with this was that the white guy was protecting the black well geez that was the way it was in that particular time in 1920 you know he was the lawyer who got paid by people giving them giving him chicken eggs I mean, you know, you can't rewrite history and make it different than the than the way it actually was. And this was somebody who stood a character that stood up against racism, you know, during the time period in which the piece was written. And it was based on Harper Lee's real life. Yeah. yeah. You know, there were real well, people. It's going to be though. really great to see uh, Michael J. Thomas. Richard Thomas. Um, Richard Thomas. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. No, Richard Thomas. That's another actor. No, no. You know. Uh, folks, one of my favorite Christmas specials is the Homecoming. Yes, I love that. It was a and the Homecoming was a pilot for the Waltons series. Yeah, and uh, I fell in love with that. I thought it was just so such a great story. We were, we were little kids when it premiered, and I I, I, remember, I remember watching it on TV. I remember watching it on TV when it premiered. I was All a little kid. All three channels we had. Yeah, back in the day when you know the choices were made for you. You didn't have you you couldn't just go on demand <laughs> no, and, and it pick came something. Came on at eight o'clock. Yeah, and you you know it was you had to be there to watch it. And the marvelous Patricia Neal in playing the mother in the movie. Well, anyway, so um, we watched a couple of series, and uh, the series, uh, the series had uh richard thomas he's been in a few things he's aged really well he still looks just like john boy yeah at 72 years old something like that but you know he's one of those you 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 know you you like well we watched uh by the way maverick was a great movie right and it's doing phenomenally at the box office which shows that people are sick of (laughs) it's gonna make over a billion dollars right yeah so maverick was a great movie I loved that movie. It was one of the great movies. Yeah. I haven't seen a movie in a long, long time. Maverick was great, but you know, there's a reason why they didn't bring Kelly McGillis out because, no, she didn't. You know, she didn't particularly age well, right? But, and they, and they and, had, yeah, and they, some people just don't. But Richard Thomas, man, woo. He to, looks just like John Boy. He's got the same look. And I have to yeah. correct myself. I've, I said earlier that the book and the film came out. No, it was 62. 60 for the, move, 60 for the book, 62 for the film. That did not sound right to me. And uh, yeah, and they did a good job with that. So them. he's going to be acting in The Kill of Mockingbird this weekend. And we're going to yeah. go see it. But there's going to be a mask mandate. Yes. That's really why I brought that story up. No, but the funny thing about it is, is they're, they're requiring you to wear a mask. I mean, it's, it's just hysterical, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, In any case, uh, where was I going with this? Let's see. Oh, right here. Yeah, I wanted to pivot uh, to uh, Jim Jordan. Yes. And Jim Jordan uh, was talking about J6. Uh, The same Democrats that say that red flag laws aren't going to be a problem, you know, are bamboozling the right on J6. Um, Also... 
Um, this was, uh, let's see, right here. Uh, well, then this was also um, Ted Cruz. Let's see. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it, people. Um, don't have the clip that I was looking for. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's take a listen. Stunning lame duck speaker Pelosi's legitimate political witch hunt just Dr. Jim Jordan's interview um, with Maria Bartiroma. So Representative Jordan was quoting Ruth Gator Ginsburg and took him out of context. Let's take listen to the full quote. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late justice, said this. The ultimate date of significance is January 6th. This is how the process works. The ultimate arbiter here, the ultimate check and balance is the United States Congress. And when something is done in an unconstitutional fashion, which happened in several of these states, we have a duty to step forward and have this debate and have this vote on the 6th of January. Right. So it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg was how he was quoting that. They took him out of context. All right. But this is the uh, this is the uh, other piece of Jim Jordan that I wanted you to hear. Let's take a listen. When you combine an intentional disregard for the law with incompetence, you get the chaos that we now see on our border, the chaos that Brandon and his agents have to deal with every single day. And make no mistake, it's intentional. I, mean, I always look at the numbers. You go back to a year ago, March. March was the highest. March of 21 was the highest month on record for illegal crossings until the month of April. And April was the highest month until the month of May. And then May was the highest month until the month of June. June was the highest month until July when we set a record, 211,000 illegal migrants coming across the border. And then you fast forward to this March, we broke that record. And then the record that was broken this March was broken again in April. And then the May number just came out a new record again. It is intentional. And then the incompetence is maybe best described or best seen when Mr. Mayorkas testified in front of the House Judiciary Committee and we asked him about the 42 illegal migrants who were on the terrorist watch list, what was their status? And his answer, if you remember, was, I don't know. To Senator Graham's point, this is what's so frightening. So the good news is, as Senator Cruz pointed out, uh, help is on the way. I do think we're going to win. Uh, I think the American people have had it with a host of things. Well, frankly, they've had it with everything with this administration. But when you look at the win of Myra and the, and the win yesterday of Yesley, I, I, it is coming. And when we do get the majority, it is, it is critical that we do what we said we were going to do, that we secure the border, and we put back in place, we, we pass those policies that were working in the previous administration. The wall works. Remain in Mexico works. The agreements with the Northern Triangle countries work. When you actually deport people, you don't just catch and release, you deport. That all works and sends the message that needs to be sent and stops the terrible things that the senators have talked about that are going on with these people who make that journey. So that is our commitment. That's what we're, uh, we're going to do if, in fact, the American people put us back in charge, and I think they're going to do it. Well, there you go. Yeah. And that's that. Um, all right. So I want to get back to the red flag laws. Um, I pulled up a Tucker clip that uh, is very, uh, he did it two days ago, and what he was talking about is exactly what I think is, is the biggest problem, one of the, red flag laws are the biggest problem mm-hmm. to this whole deal. But there's another thing going on here. Why is it that the Republicans in an election year are trying to give a win to Joe Biden. I don't think people are addressing that question. 
This is yeah. a political year. The Democrats never, ever do this. The Republicans mm-hmm. do it all the time. And I have such a problem with it. So, um, well, this is a quick clip right here of Tucker, but uh, let's see. Now, that's, this isn't the clip that I was wanting, but let's take a listen to this one. So what exactly are they backing when they back red flag laws? Well, we can take Florida's experience as an example. In Florida, the police can seize guns from people who pose a, quote, significant danger based on, quote, any relevant evidence. Huh. That's it. Any relevant evidence. The law raises some obvious questions. And the most obvious is, if you can seize people's guns without proving that they committed a crime, why can't you imprison them? without proving they committed a crime. If you can take their guns, why can't you take their homes? Why can't you empty their bank accounts? Ooh, sound paranoid, Alex Jones stuff? That just happened in Canada. So what exactly are they backing when they back red flag laws? All right, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's scary, the way he tees all that up, because you start thinking about, you know, what happens when you can take, when the state can take control of something without evidence of proof of guilt or or evidence of proof that you have broken some type of law, you know, that your possessions can be taken, your home can be taken, you can be imprisoned. I mean, it, I mean, the list goes on and on. And it's very frightening. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum for the past two years, what COVID opened up, that suddenly we were being told we can't do this, we can't do that, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and and the same thing happens with, I mean, the the gun laws, the uh, other restrictions on where you can and cannot go. It's the beginnings of a police state, and we have to do everything we can to fight back against that. And that's why this... um, the, the irony that these two rulings happened on the same day, coincidentally, the bipartisan gun control uh, legislation and the Supreme Court ruling about the New York, uh, uh, the 100-year-old New York uh, gun law, those those items, you know, just bring to light the idea that we there is still hope that there are people that are fighting back, that they're fighting back against the second one, the the Supreme Court one is what I'm referring to, is that they're fighting back against these attempts to control us. Because one thing that we saw happening with COVID is that people were willing to just roll over. They were willing to just accept this 1984, this Orwellian world. They were willing to cede control. That, you know, and, 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 you know, for some people, that's the way they want to live. They want to live in a way in which they don't have to make any decisions. Oh, there's food on my plate. There's a roof. On, I'm, I'm, I have a roof above my head. I have clothes on my back. I got some entertainment. I'm fine. That's how some people are. But there are but there are plenty of other people yeah. like us out there saying, uh, uh-uh, I, I, I want to make my own choices. I understand that you need laws to govern society, but. I want to be able to strike my own path. I want to create my own destiny. And if you tell me that I can't rise any further, right. that's not how I want to live. Right. So let's take a listen to this Tucker clip. He's the most unpopular leader of our lifetime. He's also Biden. the most destructive. Oh. <laughs> now, that's not a partisan assessment. That's not the opinion of a right-wing talk show. That is the view of the overwhelming majority of American voters. Biden's malicious ineptitude is so overwhelming that it is single-handedly changing American politics. And everywhere there are signs of it. Signs of a massive generational realignment taking shape. 
taking shape in response to the disasters this administration has created. The old coalitions are crumbling before our eyes. Suddenly we're seeing Hispanic voters, African and Middle Eastern immigrants, as well as huge numbers of American-born young men, all running at remarkable speed from Joe Biden and the anti-human corporate neoliberalism he represents. Nowhere is this trend more obvious than in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. That's a place which for generations has been a Democratic Party stronghold. As recently as 2018, a Democrat called Henry Cuellar won his district in South Texas with fully 84% of the vote. His district is 80% Hispanic, and for decades that meant it went Democrat. But then last cycle, that began to change. Two years ago, Cuellar's percentage of the vote plummeted by 26 points in one cycle. The same thing happened to Congressman Philemon Vela and Vicente Gonzalez. They also represent districts on the border with Mexico in Texas. Both went from huge wins in 2018 to marginal victories in 2020. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrats. In fact, they are openly hostile to the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's support among Hispanics has dropped to a stunning 24%. That's the lowest among any ethnic group in America. Last week, a candidate called Mayra Flores soundly defeated incumbent Philemon Vela in a special election in the Rio Grande Valley. It was the first time that district has gone Republican in more than 100 years. Later in the show, we're going to speak to Flores about her win and what it means. But it's not just Hispanics who have come to despise the Democratic Party. Roughly 9 out of 10 black voters supported Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Since then, less than two years, Biden's approval rating among African Americans has dropped by 20 percentage points. And the same is true with Asian voters. As of tonight, the only group that continues to enthusiastically support Joe Biden is college-educated white voters in urban areas, particularly middle-aged women with unhappy personal lives. If you've got more than three cats and an NPR tote bag and wear a mask alone in the car, you are all in. Everyone else is running away. Effectively, what we're seeing is the end of the modern Democratic Party. Even MSNBC has noticed. This speaks to a story we've been talking about since the 2020 election, specifically along the border, the Rio Grande Valley, South Texas. We have seen county after county, whether it's in this district or some of the districts to the west of it, where voters have moved 10, 20, 30, 40 points away from the Democrats and toward the Republicans. This district that Myra Flores won last night, Barack Obama got more than 60 percent of the vote here when he last ran in 2012. Hillary Clinton won this district by 22 points. Points. It's shifted that dramatically. Joe Biden carried it by four in 2020. And now in a special election, a Republican candidate has won it outright. Barack Obama got more than 60 percent of the vote in that district. Now it's Republican. This is an historic moment. Joe Biden has destroyed the Democratic coalition. So the question is, since we have only two political parties, how are Republican leaders responding to this fact, to this opportunity? Are they making the case for a better way? And, and, Are they this, and this is the point that I wanted to make. Offering yeah. an alternative to what the Democrats have brought this country? No, they're not. They're doing something you never would have expected. Republican leaders are siding with Joe Biden. At the very moment that Joe Biden is at his weakest, months before a pivotal midterm election, Republicans are propping him up. They are saving Biden from himself. Since the day Biden was elected, Republicans in Washington have taken Biden's side on virtually every significant item in his policy agenda. That would include COVID restrictions, vaccine mandates, transgender ideology in schools, sanctions against China, the January 6th charade, free speech, civil liberties, 
spying by the intel agencies, preserving the big tech monopolies, the anti-white race politics of CRT and Juneteenth, border enforcement and energy policy, and above all, the administration's signature issue, its lunatic and reckless support for the war in Ukraine. Republicans are all in. It's called Kiev now. That's the Republican message heading into the midterm elections. It's called Kiev. And by the way, this isn't just happening in Washington. It is endemic among the leaders of solidly Republican states. In fact, the more Republican the state, the more liberal the governor tends to be. The governor of Texas, which has some of the biggest oil and gas deposits in the world, has decided to build windmills that don't work. The governor of Utah, a state where Joe Biden got 37% of the vote, that governor begins conversations by announcing his preferred pronouns. He really does. Watch. Well, I thank you so much, uh, Gabby, for that, that question. Um, and uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. Uh, so, so thank you for sharing yours with me. It goes on and on and on. The governor of South Dakota, where Joe Biden got 35% of the total vote less than two years ago. That governor tried to let female impersonators destroy women's sports in South Dakota. In Texas, both senators can't stop talking about how great Juneteenth is. In Arkansas, one of the most conservative states in the country, the governor supports the chemical castration of children. The most recent action of the General Assembly, while well-intended, is off course, and I must veto House Bill 1570. And just like that, a bill to restrict children under 18 from receiving chemical treatments or having surgery for gender reassignment has been stopped. The governor said this bill is government overreach. Interfering by the state in a parent, in a child, in a doctor-patient relationship did not make sense to me. When you vote Republican in Arkansas, you're voting for the castration of children. How many Republican voters in Arkansas knew that when they voted for their Republican governor? But it's everywhere. Apart from Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, very few Republican office holders are pushing back in any way against anything Joe Biden is doing. In fact, they're abetting what he's doing. Well, you see, I mean, yeah. that's just it. Yeah. The, the Republicans need to do better. Yeah, America first policies, man. America first policies to make America great again. That's what we need. That's where Donald Trump was. He crystallized everything. He simplified every issue. Yeah. And, you know, when you simplify an issue, it's sort of like Jonathan Gruber. We needed to torture it and make it confusing right. to dupe the American voters. That we were depending on the stupidity of the American voters. Or whatever. I remember yeah, that line. <laughs> and that's exactly what they do. They try to torture the bill. But Trump understands that. And he tried to make everything crystallized and simplified. And that's what people loved about him. And he he practiced promises made, promises kept. Exactly. And that's not something we're getting. We're getting bait and switch uh, BS uh, with these Republican candidates that we need to get rid of. And we need to stop being duped by their messaging and look at what their deeds are. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out buglecall.org to find out what we're doing to advance America First policies to make America great again. You could also do the same over at magapack.org. And also, if you're going to mypillow.com to make an order, use Red State as your promo code.
And with that, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravota. We'll see you next time on the radio. But Bye-bye, everybody. Now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.